Welcome to the Tilted Halo. This is a new podcast and it's for anybody who's a woman in ministry. You might be a pastor like myself, a bishop, a priest, a rabbi, music minister, elder, children's minister, whatever your title is, you're absolutely in the right place, especially if you're someone who loves your ministry and you're doing it well and you're feeling pressure to sometimes be perfect and deep down inside, you know you're not. And how in the world to deal with that? And men, you're absolutely welcome here too because this is about ministry and the same thing can happen to you. So you're all in the right place. Let's get started with the show. Welcome to the very first episode of The Tilted Halo. I got to start by telling you a story. When I was growing up, my dad was often on the church governing board, and it was called the church council in my tradition. And he's not a pastor. He, he was a mechanical engineer, in fact. And there were times he'd come home from one of those kinds of meetings, kind of frustrated. And also in my tradition, uh, the pastors, all men back then, uh, wore um, a clerical collar. That's a, um, a usually a black shirt with a white piece either all the way around the neck or in the middle. And there were days when my dad was frustrated, he would complain that the pastor was wearing that clerical collar in the wrong place, meaning he said that the pastor was acting like it was a halo, like the pastor was perfect. And now that I've been a pastor for over 40 years, I know the pressure that's there to be perfect, to seem perfect by a lot of members. They pressure us to do that. But there's also a pressure inside of ourselves at times to be like that. And yet, when we're really honest with ourselves, we know that if there's a halo there at all, it's not on always very straight. <laughs> so, thus, the name of this show, but it's also the reality that we live with, that there is this pressure and the frustrations that go with that of sometimes people pushing us to be perfect and at other times we push ourselves to be like that. So let me give you a bit of my background. Um, like I said, I've been a pastor now for over 40 years. I've served in multiple different kinds of congregations, started out in two small rural congregations. If we had 50 members in attendance at each service on a Sunday morning, that was about normal. But from there, I moved to a very large congregation, and I was one of the one of five full-time pastors on the staff. And I was in about my fifth year, and the longtime senior pastor had retired, and a new senior pastor came on the staff. Well, one day, a couple months in, he came to me and said that he was going to allow me to have a choice, and he gave me two options. I could either resign or be fired. Those were not choices and options on my list by any means. I was devastated. I felt like an utter, complete failure in ministry. I wondered, had 
God gotten all of this wrong that I was not supposed to be a pastor? Had I misunderstood what God was wanting for me? And I had grown up and begun feeling a sense of a pull to do something in ministry as early as eighth grade. And I looked around at that time and everything I saw available as a female was I could work in the kitchen, I could be a a secretary or a parish worker, which usually included being the secretary and doing the children's Sunday school programs. Um, I could sing in the choir. Uh, You know, those were basically the options. And so I wondered, what in the world is this tug and pull about? Because there didn't seem to be anything that really fit me. And so I had to put that feeling and that sense kind of, I talk about it kind of like you putting it on the, the top shelf in a closet and other things get piled in front of it. And I just had it sitting up there, kind of forgot about it for a number of years, all the way through high school. The beginning of my college career, I went to a, a, a Christian college and in the introductory packet for uh, freshman students, there was a, a, a little card, kind of a five-by-six postcard size, and it was for religious preference. And the idea was, please fill this out and return it to the campus pastor's office. So I was a dutiful little freshman, and I filled it out and was trotting my way to the campus pastor's office, content to just give it to the secretary and leave. Well, she said, oh, go on in, meet the pastor. He likes to meet the new students. And I had seen the office door open and this this man sitting behind what seemed to be a pretty big desk in a big room. And I didn't, he looked very busy and I wasn't going to want to bother him for anything. So, but she said, oh, no, go on in. He likes to visit and meet people. So I did and sat down in a chair and it was a typical kind of conversation. Um, Who am I? Where was I from? What was I going to major in? I didn't have a clue. So I started listing things that I knew were uh, degrees and majors within the college uh, catalog. And I said religion along the way. And he immediately stopped me and asked if I'd ever thought about becoming a pastor. I looked at a very dumbfounded because I didn't even know that it would be possible for me as a female to go to seminary. And he told me that the summer before, like 12 months before or 11 months before, the first woman had become ordained in my denomination because my denomination had approved allowing women to be pastors. And within a couple months after that conversation, a second woman was ordained. But when he asked me that question, it was that that dream, that feeling, that sense that had been put on the shelf that just came tumbling down. And I knew that's where I wanted to go. What's What would be my major? And then when this incident happened in the second position I had, and I was basically, in essence, told you're fired no matter what, or, you know, you're no longer wanted here. Um, I really questioned 
is this where God wanted me? And so I really felt like a total failure in the midst of all of this. I went on to work with um, some coaches and took a year of clinical pastoral education after that, uh, after being dismissed and told I was no longer welcome. And it was through that time I worked through a lot of things within myself and realized I still had some really good gifts to share. And there still was a sense of call there. Obviously not at the place where I had been, but there was still a feeling that God wanted me to do this. And since that time, I have served in a congregation, a team ministry with my husband. And yes, we are still married <laughs> in spite of all of that. Um, we were there together for 12 years. And I've re now retired. But since that time, I have gone on to uh, have a weekly live radio show for five years with over 200 episodes. Um, I have a streaming TV show and a streaming TV channel as well. And now this podcast. But in the midst of all of that, I have talked with a lot of people and I have had my own experiences in three different, very different, unique uh, ministry settings. And I know the pressures that are there. Uh, I know it in myself. I've seen it in so many colleagues. And especially as a woman, there are things that we face and questions that we have to deal with that our male colleagues never have to. Like the time in my first parish where uh, during an annual meeting, a young woman uh, in the congregation got up and looked at me and asked the question, why do we have to pay you so much? So much? I was barely making what I had started with several years earlier, not much more than that. And her question was, why do we have to pay you so much when you're not supporting a family? I was single at the time. Yes, I was not supporting a family. My response, after being totally shocked, was to ask everybody in the room who there got paid according to how many members there were in their family. Not a single hand was raised, as I expected. But if I had been male, that question would never have been asked of me. I would never have had to deal with something like that. I've had People tell me that they see me come out at the beginning of a worship service and thought that they would get nothing out of it. But then surprisingly say, surprised themselves in finding that they did, in spite of the fact that I'm a woman, maybe even because of it. So I've, I've walked through that. And I know the pressure that's there within all of ministry to, to deal with those moments, to deal with those struggles that are there. And it doesn't stop, no matter how many years we're in the ministry. And sometimes the longer we're there and the more that we uh, do the different kinds of situations, 
there's new pressures in each and every one of them. And there's always the pressure to have the answers. There's always the pressure to know everything. There's always the pressure to do it all. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever noticed that no matter how many people you visit, no matter how many Bible studies you lead, no matter how many meetings and things that you prepare for, there's still more to do. It doesn't end on any given day, on any given week. There's still more there. And so there's that pressure to, to do more and more and more and more. Where do we learn to say enough? Where do we learn to say that we need some time too? And there was a time where I was criticized by a member for taking some time, maybe each day or several days a week, to go, this is while I was single again, to go visit a neighbor and spend some time with her. She was a widow. She lived across the street from me, not a member of the congregation. And she was someone I could go and spend some time with. We each had a dog. Um, We could talk, not about church, never did that. But we could talk, and I could just be a person with her. Just be a person. When was the last time you did something for yourself where you were just a normal human being? Not the pastor. Not wearing that title and taking it with you all the way along and through everything you did. When was the last time you took a day off? You know, God created this world in six days and then took a seventh day off. And there's reason why we are need time off at times too. Now, there are sometimes there are weeks where that doesn't happen. I understand that. You know, funerals happen, and that can throw a wrench in, uh, you know, any plan that we have. But there's still the need to take some time off. And it's built in there uh, by God to have that time to rest the time to be refreshed. Uh, It's called a Sabbath, a day of rest. That's what the word Sabbath means. And we need that day of rest just as much as our members do, just as much as anybody does. And yet, so often I see pastors, oh, I've got this to do, I got that to do. Oh, let me know this person I got to go see, Uh, you know, any of those kinds of things, if it's not an absolute emergency, it can wait. It can wait. And sometimes one of the hardest things we have to learn is how to say no. How to say no to other people, how to say enough for today, enough for this week. It's time to stop and do something different. And, you know, I'm talking about kind of the big picture here, taking care of ourselves, but there's also the pressures of the congregation, 
the congregation that keeps pressuring us to do more, to be more, to always be there for every event, to visit everybody, uh, and to get around to all of the different things that we're supposed to be doing, plus study, although sometimes they don't think about that as taking much time, plus prepare a message each week or however often you're preaching. It might be more than once a week to prepare that message and to do the study and to do the things you need to be ready to share something meaningful that's based on Scripture. Uh, And I don't know where some people think that we get these things from. Maybe they think we get them from a book someplace. But I never did. You know, that was always something that was freshly written and thought out. And for me, that would take time. I know for other people, uh, like my husband, he does prepares for sermons very differently than I do. But for me, that would take time to do that, to do that work in preparation, to come up with a message that was really meaningful. Not that his weren't, but for me to do it in a way to do it was meaningful, took time. And I needed that time in the week to study, to be prayerful, to think about that message, and then to plan it out so I knew what I was doing. And all of these things can be things that people don't recognize. So part of what we need to do is help people see what we're doing, not just, you know, once in a while, though this is the number of people I've gone to visit, this is the the number of meetings I've attended. I've seen pastor keep all of those statistics and do all of those kinds of things. That's great. Give that information to people, let them know, but realize you're more than the numbers. What you're doing and what you're about is so much more than just those numbers. And part of it's also planning things and helping people move forward. How many times have you felt like the leadership of your congregation is stuck? That... They love all of the old traditions, the way they've always done things. But trying something new, that gets to be pretty difficult for a lot of congregations. Now, there's some congregations, don't get me wrong, that are really good about that. But for many of them, there are people where change is kind of a dirty word. And yet, when any one of us comes to a congregation for the first time, when we start there, we are change right there in the face of it. But after we're there for a time, people like to just coast along. And it's easy for us to like to coast along too because there's so many other things going on. So let's just leave some of those other things alone. Don't push for a lot of change. Don't try new things. Or if we want to try new things and the people are saying, no, we don't want that. The energy and the time it takes to get them 
ready for something new can really be overwhelming. It can really be tough. Uh, a story that I can share with you is the um, time I asked members of a church board to read a book about stewardship, uh, about and not just about money, but stewardship as a general statement and what that means and what it's about. And the book was written for the average person to read. It was not written in theological language and any of that kind of stuff. And they agreed, not with great enthusiasm, but they agreed to do this and that we would then talk about each chapter at board meetings. Well, the first meeting came, I had asked them to read just the first chapter. And the member who ran the local little um, newspaper started the meeting by saying that he had read the foreword and there was one word in there. It was a big word. It was a word he didn't understand. It was a theological term, eschatology. And because of that one word, he didn't want to read the book. He didn't want to do anything. And the rest of the members, I don't know if he was the one that told them about that word or if somebody else had called him about it. But because of that one word, it was the only time it was used in the book. I knew it was there. That's why I didn't ask them to read the foreword. But somebody did and objected and then put on the brakes because of that one word. Those are the kinds of things we have to deal with. Those are the frustrations and the ways that we can feel like everything's really out of kilter, including our own halo, if we even feel we have one. So those are some of the, the things that we will be continuing to talk about in upcoming episodes and getting deeper into those kinds of things. But just know that I've been there, I've been through these experiences, and I'm going to be sharing more with you so that you know ways to deal with some of these too. So thank you for being here today. I look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, and you're going to need to come back because there's more good stuff, more gems to share, and more ways to live as someone, yeah, your halo may be tilted, but you're still there doing ministry. So until next week, God's peace and God's blessings to you. You have been listening to Tilted Halo with me, Kathleen Panning. What did you think about this episode? I'd really like to hear from you. Leave me some comments. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this episode. And catch another upcoming episode for more conversation on ministry, life, mindset, and a whole lot more. Go to www.tiltedhalohelp.com where I've got a resource guide and other resources waiting for you. And be sure to say hi to me, Kathleen Panning, on LinkedIn. See you on the next episode.